Welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. With little more than a high school education, the young Korean couple came to the United States in 1981 in search for a better life. The husband, Duwon, just 22 at the time, worked the morning shift at a coffee shop, and pumped gas during the afternoon, and he started a small cleaning business that kept him busy until midnight. Jin Suk, 25, well, she toiled as a hairdresser, a skill she had acquired back in her home country. Well, while at the gas station, Duwan noticed that the wealthy men, they were all in the garment industry and they drove the nicest cars. Well, that inspired him to take a job at a clothing store where he was determined to learn the ropes of that industry. He says, I treated it like my own business. That's what he told Forbes magazine. Well, after three years in the United States, the couple pooled $11,000 in savings they had and opened a 900-square-foot store in L.A. in 1984. They called it Fashion 21. Well, their first-year sales reached some $700,000. It eventually became the fast fashion juggernaut Forever 21, which has, today, roughly $4.4 billion in revenue from 790 locations in 48 countries. This devout couple, who goes to early morning prayer at a local church nearly every day, has the Bible verse, John 3:16 printed on the bottom of the chain shopping bags. Amazing how so much could have come out of what appeared to be such inauspicious beginnings. Getting back to our story with Joseph. Well, Jacob now had accepted the fact that his son was dead. To his brothers, well, Joseph was gone forever. And perhaps he was even dead by now. Well, but in reality, Joseph was very much alive. We're going to pick up our story in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. So the Bible says that Joseph, he finds himself in a country and culture he didn't know, surrounded by a language he didn't understand. This once longed-for child of Rachel and the favored son of Jacob, he's now been sold as a common slave. He's been forced into a situation that even seemed worse than that pit that his brothers had initially thrown him into. Well, think about it. He'd been grabbed without warning by his brothers stripped of his beautiful robe and dumped in a dirty, dark pit. He was rescued from that situation only to be sold to hardened slave traders and taken overland by caravan to a distant country. And there, he sat on the block and sold like a cheap piece of merchandise. The changes and the adjustments he must have faced must have been just enormous. 
Well, we read the Genesis account. We are told that he is sold to a man, Potiphar, uh, captain of the bodyguard. Uh, some translations call him chief of the executioners. Well, no matter what title you give him, this man is not one to be messed with. He was a man of seasoned military experience. He has power over life and death. So Joseph, not only has he adjusted to his new situation, he's in fact, he's flourished in it. Why? Well, for one major reason. Genesis 39, verse 2, the first part, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph. You know, that phrase appears many times in Joseph's story. And I believe it's the major reason for his success. Well, let's continue in the story. Verse 2, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him, and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. And it came about that from the time he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Well, that's quite a promotion. And from a common slave, probably one of dozens of slaves in, in Potiphar's house, to running the household of the top military man in Egypt. But it gets even better. You see, because through Joseph, God blessed Potiphar's house and all that he had. Well, with greater success comes greater measures of trust, which, by the way, leads to greater times of unguarded vulnerability. Joseph, without question, was prospering. Potiphar, says, left everything in Joseph's charge. And we read, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now, that's trust. So here's a slave who has earned the right to be respected and trusted. And as a result, Potiphar has turned over everything to him. Well, I take this to mean that Joseph determined his own schedule, he organized all of Potiphar's estate, administered all of his finances. Potiphar placed everything in Joseph's hand. Now, notice that Genesis 39, verse 6 closes with, well, I don't know, what somewhat of a surprising yet significant sentence. It said, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. The, the Living Bible, it, it puts it this way. Joseph by the way, was a very handsome young man. The New International Version translates it as, Joseph was well-built and handsome. These words used to describe Joseph's physical appearance 
are found only four times in the Old Testament. With reference to Joseph, obviously, Saul, David, and Absalom. Now let me make something perfectly clear. There's nothing wrong with being handsome. But with these attributes, well, they come some unique temptations. Here is a man, he has about everything. Fame, power, authority, respect. Here was a house slave that had made it. He had his own quarters, access to some very confidential information, the complete trust of his employer. And on top of all of that, he's a good-looking young man. Now, without, even without interest in doing so, Joseph caught the eye of women. And not surprisingly, that it's on one of these physical attributes that the enemy begins to concentrate. Well, the scriptures waste no words. 39, Genesis 39, verse 7. Now, it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, lie with me. Well, I guess we would call this the direct approach. Notice how the Genesis account states, now it came about after these events. Now, I believe that's referring to those previous verses we read, telling of all of Joseph's successes. Joseph was ripe for the attack. And the attack, it comes from the enemy and it hits him with laser-like accuracy. Potiphar's wife was shamelessly aggressive. Now, most men then, and maybe most men now, would have been caught off guard and at least momentarily been flattered by such a seductive statement. <laughs> not Joseph, not even for a moment. Without hesitation, and being absolutely secure in himself and his God, he responds equally as bold. Verse 8 says, But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. And he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I. And he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Verse 8 simply states, he refused. Joseph refused. If you forget everything else I say on this program, don't forget those two wonderful words, he refused. Here was an Egyptian woman offering her body. And here's a young Jewish servant being tempted by her advances. And the Bible says he refused. He said no. Now, some are wondering, how in the world could Joseph resist that temptation? Well, we read it. First, it was his loyalty to his master. And second, his loyalty to his God. How could this red-blooded young man in his late 20s say no? Well, he said no because he knew his life was an open book before his God. Joseph said, this is a great sin against God. So he walks away. 
Now, you may be thinking, wow, great, boy, I'm glad that's over and done with. Thank God for Joseph's example. You strongly resist temptation like that, and it's out of your life forever. Not the case. Verse 10. And it came about, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, that he did not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. It says that Potiphar's wife refused to take no for an answer. She was not about to be ignored. So she pressed Joseph day after day after day. You know, if you're living in some imaginary bubble that somehow temptation once resisted will vanish forever, burst that bubble right now. We must keep in mind that Satan, that tempter, he wants to take down each one of us. He wants to take the respected person down, the person who is quoted by others, the, the successful individual, the trusted partner, that godly soul. That's why it is not surprising that Potiphar's wife went after Joseph with such relentless persistence. And he was quite a catch. Get him, and she would have conquered something. But the Bible says Joseph refused to budge. The slightest hint of interest in her would have spelled his doom. Look at James chapter 1, uh, verses 13 and 14. Look at what it says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. The appeal of sensual lust, it, it, it works like a magnet drawing two sudden and fierce forces towards each other, inner desire and then outer bait. Let's face it. You cannot escape that bait, not if you live in the real world. A recent University of California study entitled Sexuality in the Mass Media concluded that roughly two-thirds of primetime shows contain some sexual content. A majority of the scenes in television, 62%, were coded as including some sexual behavior. And 28% of these scenes placed the primary emphasis the study showed on sex. Each new season, television programs contain more sexual content than the previous year. Now, even if somehow you manage to shut yourself off from the real world, your mind, that's not going to let you escape the outer bait. But keep this in mind. There is no sin in the bait. The sin is in the bite. You see, Potiphar's wife, she drops the bait day after day. And each time, well, Joseph refused to take it. Not only did he not listen to her, it got to the point where he didn't want to be near her. She was not someone that was safe to be around. Joseph, he's rebuffed her time and time again, refusing to yield to her advances. And finally, the Bible says, she sets a trap for him. Verse 11, Genesis 39. 
Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household were there inside. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. So it says Joseph comes in the house one day to do his work, and he notices the house is quiet. There's no servants around. Now, who knows why? Perhaps Potiphar's wife, perhaps she'd sent them out on errands just to get them out of the way. Well, whatever the reason, we don't know. She was alone in the house with Joseph, and she makes her move. Only this time, she's not about to take no for an answer. So she goes beyond verbal advances and physically grabs hold of Joseph. And she held him so tightly that when he jerked away from her and goes outside, he left his outer robe in her hands. See, what a clear image. What a strong biblical counsel. When the Bible advises on the subject of sexual temptation, it gives just one command. Run. Bible doesn't tell you to reason with temptation. It doesn't tell us to think about it or claim verses. The Bible simply says, flee. You cannot give in to temptation. If you are running from it, you can't give in to it. And that's exactly what Joseph did. He ran. He ran out into the street, and, and Potiphar's wife, well, she's left standing there, and she's got his outer garment in her hands, once again rejected, but she now is enraged. It brings to mind William Congreve's familiar words turned to reality here. Heaven has no rage like love to hatred turned, nor hell a fury like a woman scorned. Every ounce of Mrs. Potiphar's lust has turned to fury. Having lusted over Joseph, she now despised him to such a point that it resulted in this trumped-up accusation of rape. Verse 13. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us, and he came in to lie with me, and I screamed. Well, this scorned woman wanted only one thing, revenge. And to accomplish this, she builds up this false case against Joseph using a piece of circumstantial evidence, his robe. Verse 16. So he left his garment beside her until his master came home, and she spoke to him with these words. The Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came in to me to make sport of me, and it happened as I raised my voice and screamed that he left, and he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Now it came about when his master heard the words, the words of his wife, which she had spoken to him, saying, this is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him in jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. You know, you read these words and your heart goes out to Joseph. I mean, if there's ever a time to reward this man, Joseph, 
God, you got to do it now. God, reward him for saying no day after day. Reward him for running instead of giving in. You see, but God isn't through with this man, Joseph. He's not like us. He patiently and faithfully works in ways that you and I would never employ. You see, God sees far beyond this situation, and he knows what needs to be done in the deep recesses of Joseph's life. As he's prepared him for the greatness that he will experience in greater years. Therefore, God remains silent even though Joseph was caught in a trap of circumstantial evidence. Now watch closely as the, pot, the plot against Joseph unfolds. On the surface, it's heartbreaking. I mean, Joseph was absolutely innocent, but all of the circumstances were against him. Potiphar's wife had both his robe as evidence and her position in the household as a manipulative power. And she uses both against him. The Bible says now Joseph lands in jail. Now think of what must be going through Joseph's mind at this point. I mean, just shortly after he's incarcerated. I mean, he's not only innocent, he's resisted blatant temptation over and over again. You see, he had never read chapter 41 of Genesis. He didn't know the final outcome. He didn't know that in just in a matter of years, he was going to be prime minister of Egypt. All this man knew at this point was that he has done nothing wrong and has suffered for it. Time dragged by, days turned into months. Once again, unfairly rejected, forgotten, and totally helpless. But somehow, Somehow, in the midst of this unfair situation, Joseph sensed that God's hand was in all of this. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. <laughs> did you notice the phrase? The Lord was with him. The Lord's hand was on Joseph. But the relationship was reciprocal. Joseph also obeyed God. Instead of being bitter and angry, Joseph served God above all else. And as a result, he prospered, even while in prison. The truth seen here in the life of Joseph is for, for all of us. Married, unmarried, divorced, remarried, man, woman, young, old. You know, whatever your situation, no matter how alluring, no matter how pleasurable or how momentarily delightful that bait looks don't linger run like Joseph let us pray our father in heaven we want to claim the supernatural strength that comes from knowing Jesus and operating under his control may each and every viewer make up their mind to be like Joseph 
and decide from this day forward to resist Satan's temptations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every program, we have a special resource for you to help you in your spiritual journey. Here's what we have for you today. It's a little book. It's called, Your Future is Safe with God. God is in control. He's the sovereign one. If you'd like to receive this little book free as a gift from Lessons for Living Television, here's the information you need. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living Television website www.l4ltv.com That's the Lessons for Living Television website www.l4ltv.com You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030 Simcoe Conlon Post Office Oshawa, Ontario L1G 0A3 And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for watching. I want to remind all of our viewers that the ones in Alberta, next week, January 29th, we're back to our regular schedule on Sundays, 10 a.m. in Edmonton, 10.30 in Calgary. Ontario viewers, it's remained the same. It'll just stay the same. CTV2, 11.30, Sunday morning. Mind you of the website, l4ltv.com. Amongst many things on the website that you can do is you can find out where I will be appearing live and if you feel so moved by the Holy Spirit to do so, you can donate to the ministry on the Lessons for Living television website, l4ltv.com, under the Donate Today tab. Every gift is tax deductible. Also want to remind you of the missionnowcanada.com website, which is the overseas mission work component of our Lessons for Living ministry. And if you've never been on a mission trip, you'd like to go, go on the website, let us know. If you'd like to donate to the mission trip or maybe help sponsor a young person to go on a mission trip, which can be a life-changing opportunity, then visit the website missionnowcanada.com. Remember to like us on Facebook. Follow our YouTube channel also. Well, we hope that God gives us the opportunity to be back with you studying His Word real soon. I pray that he will. God bless you until then. See you back real soon.